Well, good morning, church. It is so good to see all of you. Uh, I want to welcome those that are with us online again. We're so glad that you are a part of things here this morning. And I, I want to double down on what my wife said. Man, it is so exciting. Thank you for those who have given sacrificially uh, for our audio renovation. In fact, you don't realize this, but they already started hanging some stuff this past week. There, there's little things hidden up in here right now, and it's, uh, it's getting better. And so we're excited uh, to be a part of that and so grateful for those of you. Uh, as we've said, the, the goal is to have this fully paid. We're getting very, very close. The goal is to not have to dip into any reserves to pay this, to be able to pay this off by the end of the year. And so if you made a commitment to be able to help be a part of that, I just encourage you to do your best to try and keep that through the end of the year, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get this wrapped up. Uh, well, this morning, uh, I get to continue in the series uh, that we kicked off several weeks ago, a series called I Am, as we are t dealing with the concept of identity. And I've said this to you that I think this is one of the biggest issues in our world. A lot of us, all of us, in fact, are asking the very simple question, who am I? Who am I? Your kids are asking that question. They may not even realize it, but they are asking that. Your teenagers are asking that question. You are asking that question. You seniors, you are still asking that question. Who am I? This is something every one of us wrestles with. And so in week one, we talked about the idea of receiving our identity from God, right? Rather than trying to create our own, we receive it from God. In week two, we looked at two critical words. What are those two words? In Christ, right? That is, those of us who have submitted to Christ, who have given our lives to Christ, as we are in Christ, there is an identity that has been given to us. And I gave you this picture. Micah pulled it up last week. This beautiful picture, right? My beautiful, here's my ocean, right? And we said this, that, that when you get in Christ, it's like getting in the boat. And we all know that if you got in the boat, there would be some natural blessings that come from getting in the boat, right? You're not wet. There's probably food in there. You're taken care of. You don't have to strain like this guy does. Right? There's all these blessings that come in the boat. And the same thing is true in Christ. There are things that become true about you, not because you're great, but simply because you are in Christ. There is an identity that has been given and cannot be taken away. And what God's desire for us as believers, for us as believers, is that we would know who we are in Him and live from that identity rather than living for one, okay? That's the call for us as believers. And so this is kind of the groundwork that we've set. And so this morning, what I'm going to do is I'm going to dig into another facet of that identity. And this one may be one of the most difficult uh, to believe, honest. Uh, but I think it could be one of the most important thing. And there are some of you that have walked in the door this morning that I know you have been in chains for years. And I'm praying, not because my words are good, but because the truth will set you free today, that you would walk out of here with some chains loose today, okay? And here's what I believe. <laughs> I believe I, I had five delays, okay, a missed connection, okay, and I had two standbys that got me on the last seat on the last plane leaving Atlanta last night so that I got here at one o'clock this morning, all right, and I know the enemy does not want me to preach this word to you, okay, but I believe God has something for you, so lean in, get ready, God wants to speak to your heart, all right, if you got your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. As you're turning there, uh, we've been in our Bible reading plan, and if you have been reading today, you have wrapped up the Old Testament. Give yourselves a hand, all right? Okay, but if you gave up somewhere in the middle of, you know, Leviticus, okay, you're like, ah, uh, we're done now. Okay, tomorrow... 
Okay, tomorrow we start the New Testament with Matthew chapter 1, okay? So if you have kind of fallen off the wagon, you're on the version reading plan, there's like 122 of you, go ahead and jump back in. If by some chance you haven't been reading along, go to our website on our homepage, right at the top of our homepage, it says reading plan. Click on that, you'll see all the reading for the rest of the year. If you jump in tomorrow, you can read the whole New Testament by our Vision Sunday, January 9th, all right? Would you stand with me as we're going to read our text this morning? One verse for you this morning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you so much that, God, we don't gather just to put on a show. We gather to meet with you, to hear from you. And, God, I thank you that it is not my words that are where the hope is. It is your word that is the hope. And so, God, I pray that every single one of us, including myself, would take hold of the truth of your word and experience the transforming work of the gospel in our lives today. God, we need you desperately. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. So I want you to turn to your neighbor real quick. Turn to your neighbor. I want you to tell them what your favorite sport to play or to watch is. Okay? Turn to your neighbor real quick. What's your favorite sport to play or to watch? You got 10 seconds. All right, all right, all right, all right. Some of you are like, that is the worst question in the world. I hate sports. How many of that person, okay? Some of you, that's fine. No worries, okay? Uh, how many of you said basketball? That's your favorite thing to watch or to play. Anybody out there? A couple of you. I know some of you love basketball. How many said football? That's your favorite to watch or to play? Okay, some of you said that. How many of you said baseball? Any baseball fans out there? We got, I know, Josiah, you love the baseball out there, right? That's fine. Any of you, golf? Any of you like to play? Or There we go. There we go. Let's go hit the links later this afternoon, gentlemen. Okay. Uh, any, anybody like tennis? Any, any tennis? Ooh, we got some tennis. They like to play tennis. That's great. That's great. Volleyball. Anybody like to play volleyball? There we go. We got some volleyball, right? There's a, okay, I got to stop listing sports. I'm out of time here. But if you have ever played a sport, if you've ever like played a, a competitive sport in some way, there's something that every coach does. And what is that? They practice the fundamentals, Right? You're constantly practicing the fundamentals. If you play baseball, what's the first thing you do after you stretch? Play catch. Why? Because they don't want you thinking about playing catch. Like, you, you don't have to think about when you catch a ball, you throw a ball. That should become second nature to you. When you play basketball, you practice. What do you do in every practice? Shoot layups. They don't want you to think when it's time to shoot a layup, they don't want you to have to think about it. You just do it. You've done it millions of times. You just keep shooting the layup, right? If you play volleyball, what do you do? You just bump. You bump back and forth, bump back and forth, bump back and forth. It should become second nature. You shouldn't have to think about those things. And I think this is how it should be for us as believers. There's certain aspects of our faith that should be so fundamental, so ingrained into us that, that we don't even have to think about it. We know this truth absolutely, but the sad fact is that many of us try to live for Christ, but we don't actually understand the fundamentals. Yeah. We even will say words and have no idea what those words actually mean, <laughs> right? Okay, there's two words that I think most of us in this room, if you've been around church world, you've probably heard these before. Born again, how many ever heard that phrase before? How many of you could, could point to the exact passage in the Bible where this phrase comes from? Three of you, maybe, <laughs> okay? 
Where's the story? Born again. We talk about, I'm born again. You're born again. We're all born again. That's great. Okay, where's this passage coming? It comes from John chapter 3. John chapter 3. What's going on? There's a man named Nicodemus. Remember, Jesus is going around teaching. There's all these people. They're loving it. They're excited. But who are loving it? They're the outsiders, the non-religious folks. They're the ones that like it. The religious folks are like, oh, we're not going to listen to this Jesus. He's screwing things up. He's messing things up. He's speaking different things, all these kind of stuff. But there's a man named Nicodemus who is a spiritual leader. And he hears about it, and he's intrigued. He wants to learn more from Jesus, but he knows he can't do it in the daylight. So what he's doing, he's like, hey, can we, can we meet up late at night? Let's have a conversation. I want to hear some things. As he goes, he, he begins to investigate some of these. He's asking Jesus questions. And in John chapter 3, verse 3, it says this. Jesus is talking to, to Nicodemus. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Born again. We must be born again. But what in the world does it mean to be born again? Nicodemus actually asked the question so Jesus can clarify a little bit. And what Jesus is speaking to is he's saying this, listen, you were born once physically. Every single one of us, we were born once physically. But if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must be born again spiritually. Why? Why is that? Like, what is, it, what is necessary? It's because every one of us, apart from Christ, we are spiritually dead. This is the fundamental truth that we have to understand. We have to recognize. And I think this is the fundamental problem with, with a religious view of, of salvation. And what do I mean by that? I mean like, oh, if, if I just try harder, if I'm a better person, then somehow, well, maybe I'll make it into the kingdom of God. Maybe I'll make it to heaven. You ever had people say that? Like, I feel like I'm a good person. Like my good stuff outweighs my bad stuff. And so, so that's probably how I'll get into heaven because of that. But see, it's, it's not that. The problem isn't that you are a bad person who needs to be made good. The problem is you are a dead person who needs to be made alive. That's what scripture teaches. Okay? You are spiritually dead apart from Christ, and you need to be made alive. You need to be born again. And when you are born again in Christ, you receive eternal life. But hear this for a second, okay? Listen to me, okay? Because some of you, you, you got messed up in Sunday school somewhere, okay? Hear this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> eternal life isn't just a future hope. It's a present reality as well, okay? Because when you think eternal life, I think, oh, yeah, I'm going to get eternal life someday. No, no, no. You, you receive eternal life the moment you are born again. You are made spiritually alive. Is there a fullness of that eternal life that is yet to come? Absolutely. Oh, dear Jesus, come. Come now, right? But that is not... That is not just a then, it is a now. You are made alive now. This Zoe life is given to you now. Oh, it's only in part, but it is now. There is this spiritual life that's been given to you. So that's the good news of the gospel, right? It's not just that you're this bad person it is, and made better. It's that you have made alive. This is what we talked about in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We talked about this just a couple of weeks ago. Remember, therefore, if anyone's in, in Christ, he is a new creation. You are made alive. Alive. It goes on and it says this just one chapter earlier. And this is, I think, important for us to see. It says, though we are outwardly, we are wasting away, right? How many of you feel like outwardly you're wasting away a little bit? <laughs> I turned 40 March 1st. Mark that down, everyone, okay? Um, I turned 40 this year. Um, yeah, there's things that hurt that didn't used to hurt on occasion. Like, I don't, I don't, like, bounce back as fast as I used to. Like, there's days where, like, I go, and then the next day, like, oh, I feel that now. <laughs> I feel that muscle that I've never felt before. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay? 
And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Outwardly, we're wasting away. These bodies are decaying. They're dying. But what does it say? Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. What does that mean? Spiritually, you are made alive. Spiritually, you have received the Zoe life that is growing and flourishing and one day will show itself and reveal itself in its fullness in the kingdom of God, okay? This is what is going on in the gospel. So why am I taking the time to remind you of this? Because when you're born again, when you are made spiritually alive, just like getting in the boat, there are things that become true of you. And it isn't because you feel it. This is critical. It's not just because you feel it. It is a spiritual reality for those who are in Christ. Okay? Last week, we talked about the idea that I am redeemed. In Christ, I'm redeemed. I've been bought back. Whether I feel it or not, that is a spiritual reality for followers of Christ. Look at a verse that we talked about, Ephesians chapter 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Uh, this opening, you know, if you've ever read Paul's letters, it's got a lot of letters in the New Testament. And all of his letters kind of start with the same thing. They have this Greco-Roman opening. It's like, this is a normal thing. If you wrote a letter in the Greco-Roman world, this is what you would see, something like this. Or like, here's me, here's you, I'm writing you, here's a little nice thing I'm going to say about you, all those kind of things. Paul takes that format and he infuses it with doctrine. He infuses it with theology. He infuses it with truth right out of the gates. And so what we see in over and over and over again is, is Paul uses this phrase. If you read it in the NIV, it says holy people. If you want to know what the actual literal translation of that word holy people is, saints. To all the saints in Ephesus. Here's the thing that we have to get a hold of. It's this. If you are in Christ, you are a saint. That's who you are. You're not trying to be a saint. You're not hoping to be a saint. You are a saint. Does anybody that feel a little weird to? Right? It feels weird to me to say that out loud. Like, I am a saint. feels a little weird to say that. Why does that? Okay, how many of you grew up uh, Catholic background? Had a Catholic background, okay? If you grew up with a Catholic background, you know what I'm talking about, right? Saints are like the Hall of Famers, right? <laughs> like, I'm not that guy. <laughs> like, they're the, they're, the, they're the big ones, you know? And if you want to be a saint in the Catholic Church, you know, it takes, you have to have a couple of miracles. You have to have people, like, there's a movement of people that just support for you to become a saint. There's all this stuff that kind of has to take place. And so we can have this view of sainthood as like, oh, that's reserved for just the special people, okay? But then I think there's another reason why we struggle with the idea of being a saint, because we, we oftentimes equate saint to behavior, right? Like, saint equals behavior. Saint requires, like, a, how many of you ever say it? Well, I'm no saint, but, <laughs> ever said that before? Like, what, what am I doing? I'm saying that person's behavior is definitely not saint-like, you know? That's how we use that word. But here's what we have to see. Being a saint isn't something you earn with two miracles and some good spiritual PR, okay? And it isn't something you earn just because you have the right behavior. It is the spiritual reality of everyone who is born again. It is the spiritual reality of every believer. If you are in Christ this morning, you are a saint. That is who you are. That is a spiritual reality, not based on your feelings, not because you were a good Christian this week. That is the reality of who you are. I did this a couple of weeks ago with the, the men on Wednesday nights, and it was super uncomfortable for them. So I'm going to make you do it too, okay? <laughs> okay? I say it out loud. I say, I am Saint Greg. <laughs> That's who I am. You, you all laughing at me, whatever. <laughs> 
I'm about to make you say it, okay? I'm going to make you say it out loud. You say, I am saint and fill. If you are in Christ, you've submitted your life to Christ. I am saint and fill in your name. Say it. I am saint. <laughs> you can't even say it with a straight face, can you? Right? It's weird. It feels weird. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want us to believe it. That's why it's weird. Okay? You back to Ephesians 1, what I just said. We, we look at the Ephesian church and you say, okay, well, if you know the book of Ephesians, there's not, uh, some of the other letters, Paul kind of harasses people and, and talks about some of the issues they got. Oh, you guys are doing this. You're going the wrong way. You're doing all these kind of things. Ephesians, it's not like that. It's a very encouraging letter. You're like, well, the Ephesian church, well, they were just really good. That's why they're the saints. Do you realize that 1 Corinthians, <laughs> he calls them saints. You ever read the book of Corinthians? Those people were crazy, Okay. They were crazy. They were caught up in really gross stuff. He was having to say, listen, don't sleep with your mother. Like, really basic stuff here. Some crazy stuff he had to confront. And yet he would still refer to them as saints, as the holy people, as set apart. Why? It wasn't because they were so great. It was simply because they were in Christ. Why does this matter? Why do we talk about this? Why am I, why am I so just pressing into this issue? Uh, there's a quote I want to pull. This is probably the last quote I'm going to pull from this book. Uh, but again, this is one of the most important quotes that I ever uh, heard. Uh, here we go. Can we pull up the quote? There we go. It says this. People cannot consistently behave. Whoop. We're going to give it back to me? Oh, there we go. And give me back. There we are. People cannot consistently behave in ways that are inconsistent with the way they perceive themselves. We'll read it again. People cannot consistently behave in ways that are inconsistent with the way they perceive themselves. How you view yourself influences your behavior. How you view yourself influences your behavior. Right? The way you see yourself, it has consequences. How you view yourself. Because many of us, how many ever use the phrase, I'm just a sinner saved by grace? Sinner saved by grace. You ever heard that before? And here's the problem. It's a good thing. I think it's very good to recognize that we are sinners saved by grace. It's a good thing. It reminds us of the value of the cross. It reminds us of the value of the gospel that God purchased for we, what we could never purchase for ourselves. Absolutely true. But here's where it can become detrimental. It can get us into a place where suddenly it's like a victim mindset, where we just, oh, I'm just a poor sinner down here. Can't do anything good. I'm just a sinner. Good thing God saved me because I can't do anything. I'm just, no. Guess what the enemy wants you to do? If he can't get you off course to serve something else, he'll get you to think that you're defeated and there's nothing good that can ever come out of you. He wants you to just think of yourself as a nice little sinner. You, got, you can never, that's the thing you're struggling with, you can never, you're just a sinner, you're never gonna overcome that thing, right? Yeah, you're just, you're just a sinner, you can't make it, right? You're stuck there, just, just play in the mud, keep playing in the mud, that's who you are, right? You're not any better than that, you're just a sin, just sinner saved by grace. That's great. And I, I would say this, to all of us, you were a sinner saved by grace, okay? But you are a saint who is becoming like Christ. That's who you are. The spiritual reality, you have come alive. God's desire for you is that you would be conformed to the image of his son, that you would recognize the reality of who you are, your identity, your position in Christ, and begin to live from that position, I've had, you know, sometimes when people say this, like, but it feels kind of prideful. Like, say, I'm a saint. It feels weird. Like, you feel like that feels prideful, okay? 
I would just say this, that it doesn't make you prideful to believe what God says about you. That doesn't make you prideful. Was God being prideful when he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end? No, because it is true. If I stood Michael Jordan up here on the stage and, said, and Michael said, you know what, I'm, I'm probably the best basketball player of all time. That's not necessarily prideful. It's just true. It's objectively true. Where are the LeBron fans at out there? And I would say this, it doesn't make you prideful to believe what God says about you, but it does make you foolish not to. Because when you don't, you choose, I'm not going to believe what God says about me. I'm going to believe what I feel, believe what I think, believe what somebody else said about me. That is foolish. Okay? You're putting yourself in dangerous place. Remember, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago that I said identity, this identity crisis that we're talking about, it is grounded in a truth crisis. What is the truth crisis? Will you believe the truth of what God says? Or will you believe what you think? For some of us, hear this. We believe what God has done through Christ. We believe what God says about himself, but we will not believe what he says about us. That takes faith just like believing in Christ. It takes faith to say, God, I will receive what you say. I will take it. I will receive it. I will live it. All right? Reminds me of a story. There was a story about a, a little boy. And uh, this little boy, I think he was four years old. And he was living in an area, uh, kind of was dealing, you know, it was a poor area. And it was a challenged culture there. And so um, the boy, unfortunately, at the age of four, both his mom and his dad ended up passing away. And so you've got this little boy, and he's, he's got no one, no family uh, to care for him. And so he had to just kind of figure out how to live. And so you know, he figured out how to, you know, find some places, find some people to connect with that he could, could sleep out in the streets and kind of come up with some, some housing that way. Um, but the big issue was that you need to eat, right? You still got to eat every day. <laughs> and, uh, and so he figured the, the easiest way he could find things to eat was actually to go pick through the garbage. You know, whether it was a garbage can or whether it was a dumpster or those kind of things, you go pick through, the, find some food. There might be a remnant of some, some leftover things. Sometimes it's spoiled, sometimes it's a little rotten, sometimes it's got a little mold on it, but whatever, it was some food, and he was able to do that. He just became accustomed to that and lived a few years in this type of environment. When he was about six years old, um, he was taken in um, to an organization that was able to kind of help him. And, and he's living in this, this place, and it wasn't nothing fancy, nothing special, but they were able to provide, you know, three meals a day to be able to help uh, this kid eat real food. But, but they were, what they were finding with this little boy was that, that when it was time to eat, he wasn't eating very much. And they didn't understand what was going on, like what's, what's happening, you know. And, uh, and so they're like, well, we, we don't get this, so let's, let's have one of the leaders just kind of watch him and see, see what's going on, what's happening with him. And as they watched him throughout the day, they would recognize that throughout the day, he would, he would go find garbage cans to pick through and see if he could find anything. And it turned out that although he had meals provided for him, he'd become so accustomed to eating the garbage that that's how he kept living. And when I think about that, I think this is exactly what happens to many of us as followers of Christ. So I want to get to our big so what this morning. We always say, so what? What's the point of this thing? If you get everything else I said this morning, it's this. Stop eating the garbage. Stop eating the garbage. There are things that, 
that you have believed or things that you think that are in conflict with the truth of God's word. And over and over and over again, you just keep eating it. God has provided an identity for you, but you keep eating the garbage. God has said and spoken freedom over your life, and yet you keep eating the garbage. Now, what is the garbage for you? Uh, You know, think about that. What are the lies that you still believe about yourself? What are the behaviors that end up coming from some of those lies? I think for many of us, and I, and I would put myself in this category for many years, I just said, I am a sinner. I am a failure. That's who I am. And here's what happens, as I said, you can't uh, behave differently if that's how I view myself. I talk to men on a regular basis about things having to do with um, sexual purity. Why do I do that? Because I know it's one of the biggest issues in the world and nobody likes to talk about it, so we do. And, uh, but here's what I know is that any man who has been struggling with sexual purity in any way, they feel like a failure. They feel like a sinner, a broken sinner. That's who they see themselves as. And then they find themselves in a very trapped cycle of I've just done something I don't wanna do, so then I feel like a sinner, so then I think that's who I am, and I continue to persist in that behavior, okay? I know for my, own, for my own life, I struggled with some of those things back in high school, early college, and I know that feeling, and I don't speak to you from just a, p- a place of condemnation, I speak to you from a place of empathy, that I understand that, that what the enemy wants you to do is to believe that about you, that is who you are. When you fail, that is who you are. When, you, when your brokenness is seen, that is who you are. And when you, know, when you think that's who you are, now he's got you. You are now trapped, and that behavior owns you. And over and over again, that's where you exist. And what God says is, listen, quit playing in the mud. I've taken you out of the mud. I've given you a meal. Quit eating the garbage, okay? Quit eating the garbage. Quit viewing yourself the way the enemy wants you to view yourself, all right? Because he wins every time you do that. I say it's just not the men in the room. The women in this room, you feel the exact same way. Say, I'm, I'm a failure. Some of you say, you know, I'm, I'm broken. My guess is there's some girls in the room. There's some women in the room. You found yourself into some relationships you didn't want to be in. You have maybe were used and abused in ways that you never wanted to. The problem is you took that on in this identity. You said, that's who I am. I am broken. I am tarnished. I'm not lovable. I'm not, I'm not cared for. I'm not special. No, I've, we take that identity on. And then what happens? You continue to persist in that behavior. You find yourself in relationships like that. Why? Because that's who you don't think you deserve anything better than that. It all comes down to will we believe what God has to say about us or will we believe the lies that, that the enemy wants us to believe? Because he's gonna, there's, there's a meal of garbage available for you all the time. There's plenty of garbage for you to eat. The problem is we're filling our bellies on that instead of filling our bellies on the good stuff that God has for us, right? We come to the table on Sundays, we can't even eat the good stuff because we're all so full of the bad stuff. And this morning, if we're gonna experience freedom, then we have to let some of those things go. 
We've got to repent of some of those things and say, God, no, I don't want to live beneath the position you would give me. I am a saint in Christ. Why would I lower myself to some less than behavior? Why would I go play in the mud when I can stay in the king's palace? Yet that's where many of us find ourselves. For some of us, we just feel like, oh, we're weak. I had somebody reach out to me this past week, and, I, and I, when they brought it up to me, I'm like, oh, I got to use that on Sunday. They were asking me questions about the Enneagram, okay? And, um, you know, all, any of those kind of tests that kind of test your personality, all those kind of things, whatever, you can, you know, learn about yourself, that's great. But here's where it becomes extremely toxic. Well, I'm just a seven, that's how I am. I'm just a two, that's who I am. That's how God made me, Okay? When we use that as an excuse for ungodly, unscriptural behavior, that's biting on the lie of the enemy, okay? No, you are in Christ. You are a new creation. You are being transformed into the image of Christ. If you submit yourself to him, there is new things available to you. Quit eating the lies. Quit allowing the enemy to win. Quit allowing yourself to be caught up with what he wants for you rather than what God wants for you, okay? Will we trust his word? Will we trust his word? Somebody's excited today. There you go. That's good stuff. <laughs> it's true. That's the voice of somebody who's been set free. Okay. And there's there's that she ain't the only one in this room. There's some of you out there, you have been set free. I've been set free. And it starts when we begin to, re begin to recognize who we are in Christ. Okay? And I would go even further than that. I would say it, you know, the, the issue is individually, oftentimes we're living down in the mud. I think oftentimes the church as a whole is living in the mud. Why does the church not look like the kingdom of God so often? Because none of us believe the truth. What would this church look like if every single one of us recognized that we are God's holy people? We are saints. We are set apart. We're not called to be like everybody else, just doing whatever feels good. No, we are called to be submitted to him. That is who we are, not just who I am. It is who we are. What if we would get a hold of that? What if you would look at your neighbor rather than saying, ah, they're, well, I ain't no saint, but they definitely ain't no saint, right? What if instead of that, they say, you know what? They messed up, but good news, in Christ, they are a saint. And I'm going to, rather than speak the death into them, I'm going to call them up to live in the life God has for them. What if that's how we would operate as a church? I think there's nothing that God couldn't do through us if we'd actually start believing and living like him. All right. I'm going to invite you to stand with me across the room. If you're with me online, I would encourage you to change your posture, your position right now. What I want us to do is... In this, when it comes to lies, a lot of us, we think, well, I've been taken. Yeah, but you believed it. And so I think the step we have to take is that to have an attitude of repentance to say, God, would you, would you forgive me that I've chosen the lie over your truth, that I've chosen to believe things, even if I was taken, even if the enemy just hook, line, and sinker got me on this one. God, I repent of believing it. I repent of not standing on what you have to say. And God, I want to turn to you. I'm going to give you just a moment on your own. And what I want you to do is I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what are some of the things that I, that I believe about myself? Maybe it is that I'm a, 
I'm a sinner. Maybe it is that I'm a failure. Maybe it's that I'm broken, that I'm a victim, that I'm loved. Maybe, maybe the lie you believe is like, ah, I'm good enough. And God's saying, no, I have more for you. Would you actually take hold of it? What is the lie that you believe in? Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart for a moment. And, and as he speaks to you, I, here's what I'm gonna challenge you. I want you to have a moment of repentance right now with God. This is between you and God right now. He needs to speak to your heart. Spirit of God, would you speak to us clearly right now, we pray. Let's respond for a moment, God. Father, we thank you. Lord, Jesus. God, you have called us your saints. You've called us your saints, God, and we repent the times we've never believed that. God, we'll believe what everybody else has to say, but we will not believe what you have to say. God, we repent of that. And God, it's not arrogance. God, it's standing in truth that we say today, God, we are who you say we are. We take hold of that reality. And God, I pray that you would help every single one of us to live from that position, God, that we would live from that identity set free in this place today. God, by the power of your spirit, God, that we would be reminded that the chains from the past do not need to hold us anymore, but instead, God, I pray there would be freedom. God, I do pray for some men in this room. They have been bound by sexual addiction and temptation for too long, and I pray in the name of Jesus, you would set men free today. There are some women in the room that deal with the exact same thing. I pray in the name of Jesus, you will set them free, that they will not live in the mud, but they will live in the palace as you have called them. God, I pray for those who the lies, who they say they are, God, they have, they've been living so far beneath because they think they are tarnished, they are wounded, they are broken, they are not good enough. Instead, God, I may pray that they would realize who they are in you today, Lord. God, you would set them free from the bonds of the enemy. God, we need you to speak today, Lord. Speak to Lord Jesus. I've invited the worship team to sing this song here this morning, and I want them to lead us. Some of you, you need to have a moment with God. We need to sing out the truth of these lyrics, and it just says, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but some of you, you need to change that. I'm no, long, no longer a slave to my wrong identity. I'm no longer a slave to thinking I'm just a sinner. No, I'm, God, I, I'm set free to be who you say I am. I just encourage you to let's respond. If you need to come to these altars, it's possible. Some of you need to have a time with God. Do that or get on your knees where you're at, but let's just respond to God for a few moments and I'm gonna come and close here in a moment.
from my mother's womb you have chosen me love has called my name i've been born again into your family your blood flows through my veins
God, I pray that chains would be set free as we step into truth, God. God, as it says in your word, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds, Lord. God, that we would see as we should, that we would understand as we should. God, that we'd view you as we should, that we would view ourselves as we should. God, that it is not arrogance, it is faith, God. We are trusting in what you say today, Lord. And God, I pray, and I know that, God, there might be a moment here, but I know when we walk out of these doors, the enemy is going to want to remind and speak death over us. He's going to want to remind us, no, that's not who you are. Remember, you're the failure, the one who screws up all the time. That's who you are. God, I pray that you would give us the confidence to say, no, that is not who I am. That is not who I am. I am a saint in Christ. It's not because I'm great. It's because I got in the boat. And God, we thank you for that reality. God, I pray that it would be more than mental knowledge this week, but it would begin to dig itself deeply into our souls to change us and transform us, we pray. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Amen. I got two things for you. Number one, some of you may have walked in the door this morning. You've never been born again. You've never been made alive. Here's what's going to happen. When service is over with, I'm going to stand right here, and I want to help walk you through that journey, okay? So please come meet me when the service is over with, all right? For everybody else, I want to give you a challenge. We got to have something that we do with this this week, all right? Here's the challenge. Say it and pray it. I know it's awkward, okay? Say it and pray it. When you wake up in the morning, take your one minute. In Christ, I am a saint. Dear Jesus, I pray that you would help me to live from that identity today. God, that I would not lower myself today to some lesser than living that I wouldn't fall in the traps that the enemy wants me to, but God, may I live as you have called me. God, that you have provided, that you have made. God, you said that you have given us everything we need for life and righteousness. So God, help me to live that way today. Pray it every day. It took me one minute. Pray that over your life every morning. And let's begin to step into that identity. You are in Christ. Let's live like it this week. I'm gonna invite our prayer teams forward off to the sides. If you need somebody to pray with you, please come allow them to pray and minister over you today. Otherwise, have a great week. Again, if you want to respond to Christ for the first time, come join me right at this altar. Love you guys. Have a great week.